Hi, everyone. So we're about to talk about Batman Arkham Asylum, and I know that most of you probably haven't beaten that yet. So I just want to assure you all right now that there are no spoilers in this show, not a single one. We will only be talking about stuff that has been officially revealed in trailers before the game came out. So enjoy. by the game reviews and the unified gamers network you're listening to big red potion co-op mode episode five i am batman your host for this evening and as ever i am joined by my trusty don't sidekick you don't you dare call me robin don't you dare okay by my trusty sidekick batgirl son of a bitch hi 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 everybody hi <laughs> it's, I, I it, it's us it's i'm sinan i i can't I can't be that girl. And he's Joe. <laughs> and, hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> um, and yes, we are talking today about Batman Arkham Asylum, which uh, I've been playing over the weekend, you've been playing over the course of the week. Yes. And, uh, well, let's get straight into it. And I'm going to ask you, Joe. Joe, what do you think of the game so far? Because we both haven't quite finished it, but we're pretty right. much near the end. So what are your thoughts? Pretty good. It's, um, you know, uh, I kind of had a chance to see this thing and play it a couple times at, like, press events and stuff, so I kind of knew what I was getting into, but I knew it was going to be pretty good. I, I, had, I had called that early on enough, but I didn't really, uh, I didn't really think that, like, the, the whole entire package would be as well put together as it is. I knew it would be all right. I knew it would probably be the best Batman game, which isn't saying much, but... Like, to actually play through this whole thing and see so many, like, cool little surprises and to keep going from one great area to another one has really caught me off guard, and I've been loving every last second of it um, as I've been playing it through the week. Now, you just got it two days ago, right? Yeah. So you've had to play through it pretty... I mean, you in two days managed to catch up to where I did in five days. So in your extremely brief yet powerful um, time with the game, what did you think? Well... Before I get into to my views, let's just give this game a bit, a bit of context. It's the second game from Rocksteady Studios, and I believe, Joe, that you've actually played the first. Yeah, it was this um, really kind of obscure first-person shooter called Urban Chaos Riot Response. It came out in 2006 on the uh, PS2 and 360, uh, I'm sorry, and Xbox One. Um, obviously 2006, the 360 had already been out for a few months then, so it was kind of a late bloomer, um, which is why no one really paid attention to it. But, um, it was kind of cool because it's like first person shooter you play as, I think it was like some type of, uh, special forces guy, like some kind of cop, um, person who is meant to deal with riots and you have to fight these gangs. But the, the thing that's cool about it is that it throws you into all these environmental hazards and you have all the tools to kind of get through them. So like one level you're in a burning building and you have uh, an axe to chop through doors and you have a fire extinguisher to put out fires and you can kind of use the fire to kill some of the gang members while you're going through the level. So it's kind of different and original and pretty clever for like a, a previous gen game, especially since back then, you know, games kind of was pretty first person shooters were kind of in that lull of nothing really new happening. And, um, I mean, it's it's kind of underrated. Not many people have really played it. Um, it didn't do well, particularly, but um, it's it's worth seeking out for like the five bucks that it costs now. There you go. Um, so that was their first game, but this is now their second game with IDOS, uh, their second game ever. And I just found out just before the show that uh, Rocksteady Studios are based in Highgate, 
uh, in London, which is really near me. So uh, probably <laughs> right. could wave at them whilst I'm doing the recording, which I'm going to do. Hey, hey, Rocksteady, how's it going? Uh, but... <laughs> um, so the thing is, is that it's a it's a IDOS game, and I've been a bit down on IDOS games for some time. Sure. Uh, really, I can't think of maybe you could go back to to Raider Legend, maybe the Thief games. I I think Championship Manager when it was mm-hmm. part of the property rather than being you know split into two which I, I guess you probably don't know about since it's a soccer management sim but mm. uh, I'm going to not clue you in on that just because <laughs> I, I enjoy knowing something that you don't but All right. uh, <laughs> fair enough there you go uh, I mean I, I've just been a bit down on the studio and and especially after there was all this nonsense before the game came out with the reviews and mm. the whole 90% percent Mm-hmm. rubbish which I really hope is not true but I just have a history so I, I I was cynical of this game right? right? because there'd been a lot of hype but it's even if it's not strictly a movie time property it's still an adaptation mm-hmm. of something yes. it's, still, it's still you know from another medium into games right. and Batman has had a interesting history with video games I, I, I could think put it of, that way can you have you had any good experience with Batman games? Um, there was a beat 'em up on the SNES. Batman, uh, uh, the second forever? Returns, Returns, Returns. No, not Forever. Forever is awful. Oh, I bought that game new. <laughs> I bought Batman Forever new for the SNES, and I I never made it past the first level. Um, no, Batman Returns is like a arcade. It was a Konami beat 'em up, kind of like their Turtles in Time and stuff. It was very similar to those games, and it was pretty good. Um. And Batman Vengeance on PS2 and Xbox and GameCube was pretty cool because it was based on the cartoon. But other than that, they've all been absolute shit. There was one which I don't know if it came out. I think it may have came out on Super Nintendo. No, no. It would have been too early for that. Maybe possibly NES, maybe. But it was an Amiga, certainly. And it was, just, I think it was just called Batman. It was by Ocean oh. Software. Yes, um, the, the one based on the first movie, right? Yeah. Okay. And that was a platformer, 2D platformer. Yes. It was like Ninja it, Gaiden almost, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, that was That bad. was pretty good. That was it pretty good. Bad. Yes. But uh, apart from that, no, they've all been garbage uh, for yes. me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I was very cynical of this game. Very cynical of the studio. New, uh, and more specifically, uh, cynical of the publishing company, Eidos. But, tell you what, against all the odds, this is a very, <laughs> very good game. Yes. For me... I tried to stay away from a lot of the preview coverage because, well, there's been a lot of it. The impression I was getting this game that it was very beat 'em up heavy. Mm-hmm. That it was there was some stealth, there was a lot of beat 'em up, but there, that was pretty much it. It was going to be you'd go through Arkham Asylum and you'd be beating up a bunch of enemies and then going into the next room beating up a bunch of enemies, right. which it is not. This no. is not how this game is in any way, no. shape, or form. I mean, how, how would you describe the game? It's 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 kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of different things, to be honest with you. There's really no one genre that it sticks to too closely. I mean, there, I suppose there is, but... All right, so basically, a lot of the time that you spend in this game is exploring and wandering around the environment and, um, and finding ways to basically get by because there seems to be things blocking you at every turn. And um, when you do encounter some thugs, I mean, it, it becomes uh, a, a somewhat simplistic, uh, you know, beat-em-up type thing. 
but they the way they kind of layer it is that it, it's I think it's only one or two buttons um, primarily, but um, they they did some really cool things with like the, the blocking system. They kind of give you a little Metal Gear style indication over the guy's head whenever something's coming at you. You, pre- you press one button and you'll like grab that guy's hand and combo it into this like throw or something like that. Um, and you know you could buy new moves for it. There's like a, a minor upgrading system, but the combat is is actually a very kind of minor part of the game. And in most cases, um, you can use the other part of the game, which is the uh, the 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 um, like detective uh, mode and the stealth mode to to kind of uh, avoid the fighting almost altogether. Um, so what happens is the enemies almost every case do not see you coming. They're they're talking to each other. They're looking around. They're not paying attention. Um, if you use your grappling hook and go up into like the, the the darkness, the shadows above the guys, you can totally like pick them off one by one by gliding down onto him, kicking him, or by you know pulling him up into the darkness, uh, you know by like or hang him off of a, uh, a a ledge that's sticking out. You can actually grab the guy and pull him up and tie him to the ledge, and all the other enemies will run to him. And while they're distracted in looking at this guy, you can pick them off and stuff. Or you can just sneak up behind the guy and do like a stealth kill and knock him out immediately. So they give you enough opportunities, basically, to take these guys out so that it doesn't just become another mindless run into this room, fight these ten guys, and, and leave. And in some cases, whenever enemies have guns, you can't fight them. They will mow you down in five seconds. And um, the third part of the game is the detective mode, where you pretty much have to kind of like Condemned, where you have to wander from room to room and look for clues that tell you where this enemy went or where um, the person you're looking for is hiding something or, you know, basically uh, use a a secondary vision mode to see the things that you wouldn't be able to see with your naked eye. The the interesting thing about the detective mode is at first it seems like it's just always a a cool little thing. I can Mm. see where all the enemies are. I can look through walls. Da, 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 da. I found myself playing the majority of the game in the detective mode. Me too. I mean, it's just a incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. B, it just taps into that whole technological undercover secret superhero aspect of Batman. This guy oh. who's got this incredible range of gadgets. Who you can imagine, sort of. It just made me sort of think of the movies where he taps his eyes and. You get taken into his view, and you see all these all this data coming up. And right. yeah, no, I know. I think that like, you know, even if Batman doesn't have like the character of Batman himself, you know, like might not have a vision mode like this in the comics or anything like that. But like, you're expected this character to be able to see all this stuff, with, even with his naked eye. Like, you know, like superheroes, you know, they have these special powers, of course, but they also have these minds that, you know, in this situation, I know what to do. And had there not been, like, a vision mode like this in the game, most players would just assume, yeah, I'm supposed to run at these guys and fight them. Because that's just, you know, our nature as a gamer is to attack something when we see it. But um, with these vision modes, it's kind of like, oh, well, guess what? You can also do this, and you can also do this, and you can also go at them this way and stuff. It kind of it gives us as a player the, the superhero-type um, knowledge and know-how that the character at Bruce Wayne would have in real life had he been a real person. And I like that. It kind of it brings – I mean, they did – they spent so much time building up this world that you know from the comics and making it a tangible reality in this game. And I think that the vision mode isn't just another part of that. It's just something else that makes you say, yeah, you know what, I am this character. I can do everything that he can do, and I'm going to use these tools the way that he would use these tools because I want to be in his shoes in this case. But what I, what I really like about the Detective Mode is that it does... It doesn't even feel gimmicky. Like, there's no sort of extra, like, you know, like a sort of side uh, 
background screen mm-hmm. saying like lots of numbers for no apparent reason. There's all the information that you can see in that screen is relevant and useful. So if you right. focus on an enemy, it will show his heart rate. It will show how he's thinking, right. and it will show you know if he's nervous, if he's if he's agitated, if he's calm, if he's frustrated, whatever. And that's relevant because if he's nervous, he'll be looking around, mm-hmm. and that he might spot you a bit easier. He'll turn and he'll his directions become a bit more unpredictable. Right. And that's huge with this game because it's all about the stealth sections are primarily about not getting by, but taking out all these guys without really being seen. And that's all to do with them. I don't want to spoil it too much. How, how there's a very clever way they make it so that you have to be very careful about it. Mm-hmm. I won't go into too much detail, but you basically have to ensure that you're, Killing a guy, or knocking him out, sorry, because obviously Batman doesn't kill people. Oh. Knocking him out, and then getting out of the scene as soon as possible. Right. Well, I think that, like, I mean, stealth sequences on a whole are kind of looked down upon by most gamers, because a lot of people don't really have the patience to put up with the Splinter Cells and the Velvet Assassins and stuff like that. Because it's, I mean, it is frustrating, it's trial and error, it's that kind of thing. And I think it's brilliant on Rocksteady's behalf that they figured out a way to do stealth in a way that is, A, not frustrating, and B, makes perfect sense within the universe that they're set in. So, you know, like, the stealth in this game, it's never frustrating. It's actually fun because you get to do something different. You get to do something that isn't just running up to a guy and punching him in the face. And I've enjoyed, like, every sequence, it's a unique challenge because there's always new environmental stuff to look at. There's always new types of enemies to try and figure out how exactly you're going to, you know, sneak up on them and do stuff like that. And there's always a way to make the stealth very, you know, clever, very fun, and always, you know, you have a great time doing it, as opposed to, say, Splinter Cell, where you kind of get tired over a while of, you know, killing the same dudes the same way. I think think what you've touched on something which is very important, which is that there are, sorry, there's more than one way to go about going through a stealth section in this game. Mm. So, again, without going into spoilers, there's one area where you need to get to the top of a structure and take out a specific guy. And because I got caught a few times doing it, I managed to spot about three or four different ways to get to this top of this structure and uh, about two different ways to take him out from, from being up on that structure. Right. So that's pretty exciting to me, just the idea that you can introduce variety into these things and that that i completely agree that with stuff sections always feels that you have to do it a very specific way and uh, it can get very repetitive yeah there's a path um what it reminded me actually now that you bring it up it reminded me stylistically these sort of stealth sections and the whole game in fact of what we've already seen of splinter cell conviction sure and in that they managed to touch it up what should be quite a boring standardized concepts of you know a gaming convention in some ways and just by the way it's presented right and that detective mode is central to that i think the detective mode is really fundamentally an important part of this game in terms of how it gets you into the mindset of batman and how it makes how it presents that game in such a different brilliant way oh yeah and i i mean and Credit again to Rocksteady because they came up with some really clever ways to use that detective mode. I mean, there was also, again, without saying anything specific, um, which we're, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're not going to do in this, so don't worry. Um, but there's a couple points in the game where you're, tr- you're stuck in a contained environment and there is a clue somewhere in the world, like in the room that you're in. 
and you have to find it. And again, this is like condemned, like I said before, where you kind of have to find these clue things. And it uses the detective mode very cleverly because you can like, you know, you can see little fingerprints, you can see stuff like that. And you have to kind of, uh, you know, it's it's never really out there and obvious what you have to find. It's like you you have to find some type of clue to get you through the room. And it's kind of cool the way you have to kind of examine every area as you would a real detective, or in this case, as Batman, and find the exact thing they need. And when you do find it, it'll analyze it in your detective mode, it'll give you more information, and it'll set you on the path that you have to go on, pretty much. But I like that they keep, you know, they didn't just stick with one kind of use for this detective function like like most other games do. They kind of gave you a couple a new ways to use it. And I think one of the most brilliant ways that they used it is with the Riddler challenges, which are spread out mm. through the game. And, um, I, I mean, do you want to basically give a brief overview of that? Sure. So when you go into a room, you'll see a message at the top of the screen underneath the name of the room and it will be a green mess a green texted message from the riddler that is basically a clue to something in that room so uh trying to think of the one of the examples without spoiling it no let's not go into an example because otherwise that's just going to give you the answer and you're going to giving away (laughs) so but it will be something very typical from the riddler you know a, a pun or a play on words that leads you to something in that room and it doesn't really amount to anything more than a collectible at the end of the day but it gets you looking around the room and exploring it and you know they they're not only other puzzles in themselves clever and there's a good variety of them but Mm -hmm. i think it's key and this is something we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks uh, regards exploration it does get you looking around the room and you'll find other stuff in that room so for example, if there's a section where you go through some cells uh, in the asylum where some patients would be. And if you look up on the walls, there's in each one, not in each one, but in quite a few of them, there's unique stuff scrawled on the wall. And it's not always central to the Riddler challenge. Some of these things are just, you know, someone, some designer has put them in there as an extra touch. And it really gives the world a personality. It really mm-hmm. gives this... It, it's... I'm getting towards the big point we've already kind of been leading ourselves to in the pre-show. It All these little touches in a world that is contained, that was previously safe, but has become dangerous, mm-hmm. that uh, the story is centric to more than the gameplay. This is Bioshock. Batman <laughs> Arkham Asylum is Bioshock Part 2. It is absolutely. I, <laughs> this is the best sequel to Bioshock that we could have possibly ever asked for. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, 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 when this call began, when me and Sam were talking before the show, I mean, like the first thing he said was, "Yeah, I kind of wanted to go in how this is a lot like Bioshock," and like I, I immediately, like as I he was saying that, I was preparing to tell him the exact same thing because when you play this game, there is no other game you will think of except Bioshock. It even has a similar intro where you're being led into to this environment. And you can't really control what's going on. You're kind of just walking through it. And they're slowly introducing you to a lot of the elements that you're going to be seeing over the next couple hours. And the intro is absolutely brilliant for the people who haven't seen it yet. It's, it's a great way to lead you into this world. And just like Bioshock, they they do a lot of... Um, actually, I mean, the whole structure of the game is taken from Bioshock. The whole, it really is. It like, really, really is. I mean, you're in this contained environment, yet you keep getting new areas open to you. And those areas happen to be completely unique to the areas you had been in previously so like in bioshock where you know you go through the 
in, you know, like you go through the, the theatrical area, you go through the, the gardens and stuff like that. In Batman, I mean, each new wing of the prison that you open has so many new things to see and so many different parts and pieces and challenges and villains. And I mean, it's a constant surprise in Batman, what you're encountering. Even if you've watched every trailer, you will be consistently surprised by what you're about to see in Batman. And just like Bioshock, I can't put the damn thing down because I want to see what's in the next area. <laughs> but, you know, when you say the structure's taken from Bioshock, it doesn't just extend to the to the idea of, you know, going through this area and new bits unlocking. It's very specific things. Mm. Like, there are interview tapes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> When's the last game I, I played where uh, I had interview tapes? Mm. <laughs> you know, and it's the same kind of idea. It's just adding layers to the story, and you can do the same thing in Bioshock. You can listen to them whilst you're moving through, and, you know, okay, fine, that's a little bit cut and paste but the, the other things the other similarities I would say are, are more aspirational mm-hmm. rather than things that have been copied so one of the best things about Batman Arkham Asylum is the voice acting oh, and that was again one of the best things about Bioshock was the voice acting in the mm-hmm. interview tapes you know the, these were they were obviously recorded by professional actors rather than just someone who they got off the street and to, from the studio to say a few lines and uh, of course with Batman Arkham Asylum you have the team who've been working on the cartoons. Mm. And it, I, it's unfair because I like the cartoons for mm. starters, but that's just a smart decision in, in any case to get, you know, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy and everyone mm-hmm. else to do it. It it just, because the whole, I mean, it's fair to say, would, they never came out and said it officially, but the game is pretty much based more on the comics than anything else. Is, is, is that fair comment to say? I think that I think tone-wise, I actually think it's based more on the cartoon. I think the storyline, yes, it's definitely based in the comic world. But I think that they really like. I mean, they got Paul Dini, the guy who wrote the cartoon, to do this to do the story for this game, and uh, right. you can you can feel that guy's hand in this game guiding you through this experience because it is. I mean, it is exactly like the cartoon tonistically, and um, I mean the the writing is phenomenal. The Joker's lines there. I mean, if they had allowed the cartoon makers to make a really dark version of that animated series i think it would be this game pretty much right and you know how the joker speaks over the tannoy yeah right that again reminded me of bioshock because of course in bioshock you have all the messages the safety messages coming over the tannoy all the public messages and what i think it's a that's another good thing to cut and paste because what that did in bioshock was to give this to cement the idea of a world that was previously safe that was basically how to put it. It's an alien because the whole the underworld world in Bioshock is alien mm-hmm. to us as a concept. It's not something that exists in humanity, right. but we can. It was civilized, and right. that's a, the same idea with Arkham Asylum in some ways. You know, there, there is no place in reality like Arkham Asylum. Right. You, right. you don't get a madhouse like it, but right. it it had rules. It had structure. So the, the theme basically they both have is chaos. Right, chaos on the chaos on a, on a being safe introduced world. into a previously safe environment that and like an environment that could not handle this type of chaos, pretty much. Absolutely. So when you have the Joker speaking over the tannoy, that just cements the idea that sh- shit things have changed. Yes. And uh, and the stuff that he says is absolutely brilliant. Even the, it gets repeated a few times because mm. it's going to at the end of the day. And before I I get onto that. There is so much dialogue in this game. Mm-hmm. 
you know, voice acted dialogue. I'm not yeah. like, there's no line that doesn't get said, is there? That doesn't yeah. get spoken out loud. Yeah, that's, there's no text. That's hugely impressive. Even Batman's thoughts, there's a few times where he doesn't actually speak his mouth, but you hear Batman's thoughts like, oh, I should go here, or maybe I should look around for this and stuff. Like, they even managed to get the subconscious of Batman, the thing that in the comic would be basically a bubble above the guy's head. They've even voiced that through and allowed you to experience that with the, the voice of the, the Batman actually speaking it. And that's re- that's another that's another great touch. They don't do anything stupid like get him to say, <laughs> speak out loud to himself. It's It, <laughs> it just says, look, it's his, it's his thoughts, but you can hear him thinking. What's the thing like? Oh, it's it's phenomenal. I don't think you have to, like you do not have to be a Batman fan to like this game. I will say that. Like you don't have to be one. I mean, because I think that like as a game, I, like okay, so Ghostbusters a couple months ago, that was a game that you have to be a Ghostbusters fan to appreciate because right. the game itself wasn't the best game you'll ever play. It was all right, but I think you know it was built around this world. It was the like the game was made, you know, they had this idea for this Gears of War style shooter and then they kind of, you know, pasted the Ghostbusters world into it. And the Ghostbusters world was intrinsic to the enjoyment of that game. Batman, I think I think it exists without the license. I think that this game um it's not like they just cut and pasted the Batman into BioShock and then like sent it on a disc. This thing is like this thing was built to be a Batman game. This thing like they had the idea and they built off it beautifully. They came up with the perfect combination of, of, you know, like elements of Batman's comic book life and all the, the character itself, and found a way to basically transcribe that into a playable experience better than any game that I've ever played that's been based off a previous license. And they even got the tone down, like the Wolverine game a couple months ago. Like they, yes, you can cut things up just like Wolverine does, but that still feels like a generic action game with this Wolverine character pasted into it. But every little thing that you do in this game is Batman. Every character every thug that you fight they even put like the the guards that are in the the asylum they all have backstories that date back to the comics like if you're a comic book fan you'll know a lot of these guards that you encounter in this game because they put that in there everything about this is literally the perfect batman experience that it also happens to be a phenomenal game to play and i don't think you have to even have ever picked up anything relating to batman to pick this game up and actually get into the world and enjoy it I'm going to only very slightly disagree. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't think... I think it would lose something if you... Not just... No, not lose something. I think it would be a bit difficult if you came into it. With basically, you, the first time you load up the game, and, oh, Batman, who's this guy? Mm. But, who does that person exist? <laughs> I think <laughs> as long as you have basic familiarity, you know that there is this guy, right. Batman, and that he has this enemy named the Joker. I think as long as you go into it with that information, I think the rest of it pretty much writes itself. Right, exactly. That, the, that, that's, that's why I'd agree with. Okay, the 10 minute intro pretty much sets this up perfectly. It explains everything. It gives you the backstory on like the Warden and Commissioner and Batman. It kind of explains to you who this guy is that you're playing you know, by, by showing you all these cutscenes, by the interactions between the Joker and the Batman. That little moment in the elevator during the intro where the lights go out and you assume, like, the Joker's going to break out and kill everybody and, like, the, the lights come back on and Batman's basically choking the Joker to make sure that he is exactly where he should be. Like, mm-hmm. the little moments like that where, you know, you kind of get that these characters have a history and you know what these, have, these two have been through because of each other. And because of that, I really think you could just go into this blind and enjoy the hell out of it. Okay. 
I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Mm. Well, I, what I will say is I'm looking at a poster of The Dark Knight in front of me mm. with Heath Ledger. And obviously we have Mark Hamill in this game playing a Joker who, like you say, is pretty close to the cartoon version of the Joker more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. What I will say is that I think for, you know, Batman is in at the moment. The Dark Knight was a hugely successful sequel. Sure. I think on the people who will be coming off the Dark Knight and playing this game, I think there would have, there would have been a worry in the minds of Idols that they'd be playing this game thinking that this isn't the continuation from the movie. This is a whole different Batman. Right. That worry goes away very quickly because what this game does is stamp its personality all over proceedings very early on. And I think you're right. It's that, that opening scene is part of it. Uh, I think Mark Hamill is a big part of it as well. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he, he has his own Joker. It's not the same as Heath Ledger's. It was there yeah. before Heath Ledger's. Uh, it's not the same as the 60s Joker. It's not really close to the comic book. It's its, it's own Joker. Mm. And he is brilliant. He's brilliant in the cartoons and he's brilliant in this. Mm. Absolutely on top form. Uh, Kevin Conroy as well is a great Batman. And he hasn't got the Christian Bale. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, no. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> I just want Christian Bale to like be unable to speak for the next six months because he had to record eight hours of dialogue for a Batman game. That would make my day. That would be awesome. That would be very, very cool. Um, but no, you know, Kim Conroy's great. And uh, I think they got Harley, the they same actress who yeah. plays Harley, and the mm-hmm. same one for Poison Ivy as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they're all brilliant. They're all. I, I think it's important that there's that familiar, familiarity for people who do know the license, sure. that they can go to these voice actors and, and they know them. And like you said, you... It will work if you haven't played a Batman game before, but if you are au okay with the series and the license, my God, is there a lot for you in this game. <laughs> there is so... Like you said, all these characters with their backstories, people who have read the comics or watched the cartoons will recognise these characters. Mm-hmm. They will recognise all the really obscure villains that you oh, can yeah. find references to. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to name names, but my, we were joking about one of them before the show, and it, it's incredibly obscure. Yeah, a really obscure villain. Yeah, I mean, it, see, like uh, the the way that they reference these guys, most of these guys, anyway, is through the Riddler challenges. So, I mean, you won't, you might not even see this stuff while you play it. And there's 270, is that right? I think it's 240. 240. Okay, there's 240 Riddler challenges in the game. And I know if you haven't played it, you're hearing that number and you're saying, "Oh my god, I'm never going to do that," because that's exactly what I said. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to collect all these damn things. And yet. I find myself in every room turning on the detective mode and saying, hey, I wonder if there's any Riddler thing. I'm like trying to solve every one of them because the way they do it is so clever and so fun. And that's another thing with the Asylum itself. Like, the Asylum itself is definitely a character in this game. Just like, oh, you know, absolutely. Just like in Bioshock, I mean, you know, Rapture was a character. I mean, it had plenty of personality, and the Asylum has it too. I mean, every room in the Asylum has... Not only does it have a purpose, like, you're not going through the asylum saying, oh, wow, there's a whole lot of cells in this thing. Like, it's not like most other games where they just kind of invent stuff. Every kind of area of the asylum kind of has a purpose. I actually think it excelled Bioshock in that respect. Mm. Bioshock had a lot of rooms which reminded me of rooms I've been in before. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you say with Batman, each room has its purpose and has its personality. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel, none of the areas feel like a cookie cutter mm-hmm. room. And... I think it has more of these little touches than what Bioshock had. Yeah. You know, they're, like I was saying, the scrawlings on the wall or the... Even 
you know you have the, the zoom function for Batman, he can he can zoom in on something. Mm-hmm. The fidelity in this game is so good that if you want to zoom in on a book, you will be able to read the writing on the lines of it. Right. It, and, okay, I think the, the character design is not... It's pretty good, but I saw someone tweeting that it was the best thing they'd seen. I don't think the fidelity in this game is that good. But it's pretty damn good. Mm. And there is certainly a lot to to see and find not just beyond collectibles like like we're saying all this ex, external e- extraneous stuff right. which just adds so much especially if you know the license and you know right. the characters and what I tweeted earlier today on the subject of Bioshock is that what I found myself doing in Bioshock with Rapture is that rather than running from area to area I would take the time to look around mm. I would walk I would stare out of windows I would look for extra things to find, not just collectibles, but you know, extra bits of information about the world. Right. I am doing that again in Arkham Asylum. I am not mm. running through the rooms. I am walking because right. I want to take it all in and savor it. And for me, that's a sure fire sign that I am really enjoying a, a video game. Well, I mean, that's actually what I was thinking about. I had a three-hour drive home today from Pennsylvania, and the whole way I was kind of thinking about like the world itself as a character and like. You know, how in, in a lot of games, like, you know, most games are set in, like, cookie-cutter worlds where it's just this generic sci-fi thing or this generic, you know, action thing. And they don't really put too much effort into, you know, uh, like, the, 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 the little environments that you go to. Like, the you know, if you're in, like, a city street level area, like, the streets itself look pretty generic and cookie-cutter. There's nothing special about them usually. They're just trying to get you from point A to point B. And in Batman, they kind of, like, every little connecting area that would normally just be, like, an empty room has something in it that you can look at. It has a Riddler challenge, or it has, like, a little bulletin board on the wall that has, like, some stuff you could glance at. And, like, it really makes you feel not only that the world is alive and that it's real, but also that, like, it's a place that you want to actually explore. It's a place that you want to actually look around and see what they put in and see what the designers did. And, you know, as Batman, like, you want to actually be a part of everything in this game from beginning to end. And, like, I mean, immediately, as I said, the intro is fantastic, and it it brings you into the world very well, and it will grip you right away. And once you actually get into the mindset of, yes, I want to see every little nook and cranny of this world, you will spend, I mean, what, ten hours now just finding little nuances to exactly what, what there is. And, I mean, the game is part of that. The game, you know, it's not... They don't make you run, like, run through the same areas a lot, but it's it's kind of set in an open world-ish environment where you will have to run like through some older areas you get new abilities and such that you can explore with and uh, the fact that they kind of encourage that I appreciate and the fact that like you know the, the Riddler challenges especially they make you you know some of the Riddler challenges to get all of them you have to go back to a previous area with new weapons that you've received right. and like that itself just this little added extras for exploring these environments is what you know, it brings me into it and it makes me want to keep going even though you know I, I'm pretty close to the end of the game it's another another thing they've taken from Bioshock is the backtracking, yeah. and it's something that a lot of games are very guilty of. Is essentially just saying with backtracking, look, it's something that you have to do. We're not going to mm-hmm. add anything to it. You're just going to have to go back for this area you, you've come mm-hmm. through. What they did in Bioshock is they added new enemies that mm-hmm. weren't there before. Same thing in Arkham Asylum, and it's a simple touch, but it yep. keeps things flowing. It keeps things fluid, and it keeps you on your toes. Never aggravates and, you. Yeah, and it, it doesn't aggravate you at all. Uh, I never... I've, this is something. Do you say... You, you said before the show there was not one bit of this game that's annoyed you. Mm-hmm. I think there was one bit of this game that annoyed me. Okay. Well, there is a section involving snipers. 
Hmm, okay. I didn't like that section. Okay. I didn't really... Okay. I, I, I think this game works better in closed environments than it does in open environments. Mm-hmm. And I think that was an open environment section. And I think uh, the challenge in that section is disproportional to the rest of the game. Okay. Because those snipers are pretty good at hitting <laughs> you. <laughs> and you have to... If you alert... If you uh, alert one of the guys, one of the snipers, before you take him out, the other three will be after you. And that proved to be very annoying to me. And I, I, maybe I'm just rubbish at this particular section, but I, I found that that was very disproportional to the way stealth works in the rest of the game, because stealth... I think in the rest of the game, the stealth is based about around either a close section or you have certain places you can be to manipulate proceedings how you want them to be. But in mm. this sniper section, it's a very open area and there's no real area to hide. It's just about kind of being a bit precise for your movements. See, if I, I, found. I didn't actually get caught in that part. Yeah, maybe I, I'm just rubbish. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, like, what I did was I, I went through the... It was in the... Outs, it was an outside area, right? It was a, yeah. uh, like, in a, a prison yard type environment. Without saying too much, but, I mean, if you actually just stick to the corners and you just grapple up to where the snipers are hiding, you could take all four of them out with stealth kills before they even see you. Maybe that's just... I, I, I found I... The path you took must have been just a bad path or something like it i i forget the way i did exactly but i mean as we said before there's so many ways to kind of explore each area and uh and do multiple things like obviously the way sanan did something and the way i did something was totally different right. because um and like there's another part where uh there's a boss fight where you know you have to there's like a lot of thugs in this one area and it's a contained area and there's literally like I don't know, six, seven different vents. There's also an under-the-floor under area you can go through. Mm. There's, like, passageways. There's this and that. The game does a real great job of, you know, letting you define your own game, kind of putting you into this experience that might change, you know, from one play to the next, depending on what you want to do that time. And um, they give you a lot of gadgets also to kind of, you know, as you go, you unlock basically new abilities and new gadgets, and those gadgets will change the way you do some of these fights. They'll change the way you, you utilize the stealth in some of the areas, and I really like that. I really like the way that they, they keep you going, and they, even though, you know, Batman himself, I mean, you know, he's not getting XP or anything. Well, he is kind of getting XP, but it's not like an RPG or anything like that, but, no. you know, uh, the, the way that they let you unlock new abilities and items is pretty clever, and it doesn't feel like a, a particularly gamey aspect to it, where, oh, I gotta, you know, uh, kill bunch of guys here so that I get enough XP to get my next move. It, it kind of feels natural the way it happens. Right. It's, and again, very similar to Bioshock. You know, mm. there aren't, there isn't a huge variety on offer in terms of what you can upgrade. Right. Like you say, but everything you can upgrade is pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, with his gadgets, it, funnily enough, his gadgets aren't the most exciting range of gadgets you'll ever see. Mm. But, they are right for the license, they're right for the character. Um, and they are very useful, and they're pretty easy to use. And uh, once you upgrade them, they can become kind of cool. Each they one don't, of them, right? They don't give you 50, 50 weapons in this game. They give you kind no. of the core things that you need to basically get through the game in a way, um, and a couple little extras just for fun, pretty much. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all realistic stuff. I mean, you don't have like the the bat bombs or anything like from the the old sixties series. You don't have like you know you don't have the shark repellent 
Unfortunately, they did not include the back shark repellent that uh, Batman used in the original series. Ninja Fat Pigeon Through Game and Scrooge Cast TheGamerScene.com EGN offers a little something for everyone From the serious analysis of Big Red Potion To the fun but well-informed Game Adult UK Frugal Gaming will bring you gaming bargains to help keep your hobby alive Whilst Ninja Fat Pigeons offers one of the best and friendliest communities on the internet And if you're one of us mature gamers Find like-minded comment with TheGamerScene.com www.unifiedgamersnetwork.com Actually, one thing I wanted to get into also, um, one thing I did not expect uh, in the game, and I mean, so like the, you know, the, the animated series was always kind of like, it was aimed at kids, sort of, but also not really. It kind of had a lot of hooks in there for adults to get into. And when I watched the animated series again recently, a couple months ago, I was able to like get into it and love it immediately because it really isn't aimed at you know ten year olds. It's kind of aimed at everybody right. with the with you know the mood and the characters and everything. And it's also kind of dark for a, a '90s television animated. Well, it's series. very dark. It's very yeah, dark. I mean, like you know, people die in it. I mean, yeah. which you don't really see that ever in a cartoon, but people die in the Batman cartoon. And, um, you know, so Paul Dini, the writer of that and the writer of the new game, obviously he wanted to kind of push like that kind of mature, not mature, but they wanted to push that like, you know, um, hardened content for even in through a cartoon and through his comics writing, he did that also. But in here, I mean, much like how the Dark Knight was a very dark, dark movie, very sinister movie that like, you know, a lot of bad things happen without much, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. This game is very dark and very mature, and, and considering it's based off a, a major character for a major comic book company, uh, you know, being released as a teen-rated game, a lot of people die in this game. Mm. And there's like a couple of the villains. Uh, there's one of them in particular who is just like there's no really special ability to him. He's just a serial killer. And like a couple of times, you'll hear about his murders, and you'll hear him threaten people. You know, not like in like a Spider-Man game. He's like, "Oh, I'll knock you out" or anything. He's like, "Oh, I will kill you. I will cut your throat." Something like that. And I really like the way that they've kind of had balls in this game to make a mature comic book related game that feels like a natural, like it feels like real life. It doesn't feel like anything here is being toned down because it's a video game. Just because there's no cursing in it doesn't mean that you know that the themes aren't very mature. And that's something that the Wolverine game, despite it being a mature-rated game, didn't really have. It was still right. a, a PG-13 level story and uh, you know maturity level with a lot of gore in it. Well, I think I think you've touched on two excellent points there. I think the first one is that the violence in Arkham Asylum is not particularly violent. Right. Uh, well, and by that I mean the combat. You know, it's pretty heavy hitting, but there's no like guts being spilled or anything yeah. like this. This is Batman. Batman knocks people unconscious. So right. you've got that first going for you. But the themes, like you say, are much darker than, say, something like Wolverine or, or most licensed games. Right. 
And yeah, I, I've recently played Wanted Weapons of Fate, which I think I've talked talked about before on the show, mm-hmm. and how that basically tried to sell itself as being mature by swearing a lot, a bit right. similar to the film. Right. A lot of curse words, a lot of uh, bravado right. and testosterone. Right. There's none of that in this game. Yeah. It's just darker themes, darker characters, and you know what? Really quite deep characters as well, actually. Because the, and this is something that Bioshock did with his interview tapes. Right. You don't. You can play through the game and not necessarily need to know everything about Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, the interview tapes and the story are kind of like, oh, wow, there's there's something to this character. Sure. Uh, it, and again, that plays into the people who may not necessarily be au fait with a license. And I think uh, you're right. The writer... What's his name, sorry? Paul Dini. Paul Dini. Yeah. He's done a really excellent job at... Keeping darker themes in this game without bludgeoning it to death. I think especially the Joker and Harley relationship is explored pretty well through those tapes because, I mean, even if you don't know their backstory, which was, I believe, invented for the cartoon, I believe uh, Harley came about that way, um, they kind of, like, they give you these little interview tapes that kind of explain, that, you know, give you an eye into how exactly she came to know him and how she became so crazy. And each character, I think there's maybe about, what, 10 characters or so that have interview tapes? Right, yeah. About that. Like, each one gives you pretty much a window into not only that character's backstory, but also into, like, their mental state. So that when you fight these characters or you see them in the game, you kind of know what makes them tick already because you've heard these little character pieces through the interview tapes. And, I, I, I mean, they're all really fascinating and really good. And there's also an additional... Um, an additional one based around Arkham itself. There's a, a series of tapes that gives you the backstory of the actual asylum that you're in. Right. And I think those are also very well done and very clever, and it kind of gives you... It, it doesn't... I mean, it, it fills you in on stuff that you could also read on, like, the information screen, but in a way, sure. it kind of gives you an explanation as to why this place exists the way that it does and why there are so many, you know, bad things going down at this place. Absolutely. I saw quite a few people tweet this weekend that... It's one of the best-looking games I've ever seen, which I think is incorrect. It, it just isn't. It is a very good-looking game. To go... I mean, uh, do you disagree? Do you think it's that good-looking, or would you say that maybe that's going a bit overboard? Do you mean stylistically, or do you mean, like, actual, like, realistically? Because, in, I mean, if you go realistically, it, it's got that Gears of War-style sheen on it that makes it look fairly realistic. But, I mean... You know, stylistically, it just kind of looks like a... I mean, people have said it doesn't really look like an Unreal Engine 3 game. I would disagree in a way. I think it does. Oh, I think it does look like an Unreal Engine. I think that's maybe my my biggest uh, criticism against it, that despite everything, it still feels like an Unreal Engine game, which I... I I think it looks like a great-looking Unreal Engine 3 game, but I think it looks looks like Years of War 2 and and games like that. I completely agree. But if you combine the visuals with the audio... And mm. the style. That this is one of the best presented games that I've ever played. Its presentation as an overall entity is probably the best I've played in the game. I don't think anything has had as good a sound, music, uh, visual style, and even just interface. The interface is mm. really good in this game. Really very simple, but very stylish. Uh, even like just transitioning from one minute to the next produces this cool little animation with bats flying around. Yeah. And it's the little touches and the details that add to it. It's just the presentation of this game is immaculate, I feel. I think that the, the key to that is that they they guide you very well. 
Like, there isn't a second of the game where you're just running around beating up mindless thugs for no reason. Like, even, you know, in a moment where you do have to fight these guys, there's a reason for that. They're holding someone hostage, or they're, you know, they're guarding a door that you need to get through. There's always a key to it. There's not just, like, these open-world baddies running around waiting for you to, to find them. And also, even during those moments, the Joker is coming on the intercom and saying something, or a villain is taunting you from someplace, or there's this this ulterior motive to what you're doing that, you know, will keep you going through the way. The game is very good at setting up mini situations within the world that you have to get to the end of. And because of that, the presentation really pulls you in and it keeps you going because you don't feel like you're just aimlessly wandering around and, you know, waiting for something to happen in a way. Right. You go, you go into a room, for example, and there'll be a couple of thugs surrounding a guy who they've kidnapped. They won't just say generic stuff. Right. They'll say specific stuff. That's only going to be in that scene. Yes. And that is actually something that a lot of games don't do. No. And for me, that's huge. That that just... I think that's it. There's just this attention to detail. I just wonder, you know, was this game necessarily... I just wonder whether this game, they got it right early on. And they just had the time to put in these little details and these little touches. Because there are so many of them. Mm. And... I just wonder if it is well if it's just easier when you have the license to utilize. You know, you have all this you don't have to create this world. There is this world already waiting for you to mine and to take everything from and just basically transplant it. Cause that's what they've done with a lot of this. Mm. A lot of the things like the cells that are full of references to a character, that's just cut and paste from the license. Mm-hmm. You have to design it whatever, whatever, but you don't have to think it up. Right. And uh I just think maybe that's really helped this game. And I don't think enough licensed games mine the material enough. And I think this is a, this is a really a benchmark now for licensed games right. in terms of if you've got, especially superhero games, when you've got such a long history to draw stuff from. And you've, we've seen countless, like you just said, Wolverine doesn't mm. do jack with no. referencing stuff. I mean, I we could go through licensed games from 1980 to now and I don't think we'd find one that does nearly as much of the license as this one does well that's my problem with movies in general like I don't I kind of like long form entertainment I'm not a huge fan of like an hour and a half action movie and then that's it for two three years until they pop the sequel out and like I don't think like superhero comics should never really be made into movies because you can't possibly follow up on that like what you know, like there's there's 60 years of Spider-Man history. How are you going to encompass any of that into a two-hour movie? And I actually thought they did a pretty good job. They with the did. Spider-Man no, movies, they, actually. They did, but there was no like there was no continuation of it. It was just like, oh well, okay, great, that was cool. Now I have to wait two and a half years until the next one comes out. Right. Okay. And like you know, like a video game though. I mean, you have there's no set time limit. There's you know there's uh, you can literally jam as much as you want into this world because. It's unlimited. It's the. I mean, I I could play this game for ten hours or fifty hours if I want to really wander around and look at everything, and that's the key. Is like you actually actually have to love what you're doing enough to say, yeah, we want to go a step beyond. We don't want this to sell based on the license alone. We want to make a, an effing awesome game that people want to buy regardless of whether or not they like this the series. And that's the thing. Like, had this movie been timed to release of uh, the, the last movie of the Dark Knight. I mean, that really was what made this game good. If, if if they had said to them at some point, you have to make this come out at some point around the release of The Dark Knight, it would have screwed this game over. It would have been crap. And that's the thing. It was like an executive actually coming to the realization that 
yes, we shouldn't rush this thing because when it comes out, it's going to be effing great if these guys have the time that they need to make it. And, like, that's the Wolverine game, I think, that, like, that's where that really got hit because at some point during the development of that game, that was in development way before the, the movie was announced. Mm. At some point during the development of that game, Activision probably went to them and said, yeah, you got to shovel the storyline into your game. And that's what killed that game. Because if you play that, it is very shoveled in, that part of the game. Right. And I think that, you know, having the freedom in this case to just use the license the, any way they want and not no rush it out. No obligations to go right. and no, produce no time limits. story. Right. They could do whatever you want with it. You guys can make the game that you would want to play as a Batman fan. And that's what they did. And I don't think, I mean, I think it takes a very specific developer with, you know, to make this kind of thing. And I, I think even if you gave 100 developers the Batman license, I don't think we'd see five games that are this good out of that pack. No, this is certainly, well, okay, I don't want to call it a debut because officially it's not, but let's face it, it feels like it. This is feels like an incredible debut for Rocksteady. In a way like, that Irrational Games kind of, they had this history behind Bioshock, and then when Bioshock came, it kind of reinvented them as a, right. as, a, as a studio. Absolutely. In the same way Rocksteady is now reinvented, and they can make literally whatever they want now, and it, it will get attention, pretty much. Oh, oh, I completely agree. This has put them on the map. There's no doubt about that. Um... What I was going to say is I think you came across two very good points then. And the first one is obviously that, like you say, when you don't have to play into a movie or something else that's tied in, you can build it as a game from the game up mm-hmm. rather than something that's related. And that is hugely important. But the other thing is you mentioned Spider-Man and the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Well, the first movie, one of the biggest criticisms about it was that it spent so much time establishing the character and the mm-hmm. world. Right. Obviously, what you have with Arkham Asylum is not... It doesn't try to establish anything. It's just right. saying, I'm an extension of the Batman universe. But what's great about it is like what you've mentioned, that it still is able to be accessed by people who don't necessarily know the universe because it mm-hmm. does such a good job of just saying, this is, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy, mm-hmm. this is the place, this is what has to be done. And I think that's easier with a comic book license than anything else because... It's quite simplistic. At the end of the day. Let's, let, let's all carry it away, the depth of Batman or whatever. It's a great license, but at the end of the day, it's still a superhero license and well, a simplistic license. And to be fair, with comic books, most people aren't starting at the beginning of those comics. Like, no. You know, no one starts with X-Men number one when they want to get into the, the series. They just start. They just pick an issue up or they pick up a graphic novel and they read it. And, like, I mean, you know, I think a lot of game develop, a lot of any movies and everything, they don't really give the audience enough credit to be able to do that with something. They feel like they have to explain everything that led right. to this point. I mean, really, I, some movie maker could come out now and make an awesome Phoenix Saga X-Men movie with no backstory whatsoever. Just go right into that, and it would be awesome. Yet, Absolutely. I don't think anyone has the balls to really do that kind of thing because, you know, I mean... I guess there's no really precedent out there to say, yeah, people want this kind of thing. And I think I'm hoping that with Batman Arkham Asylum, that'll kind of set as a precedent that now people will be able to go and make, a, you know, a Superman Doomsday game or something like that, or, you know, a Spider-Man game based on the, the, the Venom saga where, you know, the, the, suit come, the, the suit gets on him and everything like that. You know, really cool based entirely on the mythology and not on some stupid movie or whatever that, you know, took an abridged version of that mythology and warped it. I think that I'm hoping that we'll see more like true licensed titles now that actually feed off of the the product that made them, and instead of just you know these amalgamations of oh well we'll take part of the game we'll take part of the movie we'll take part of the comic a little bit of the cartoon in there we'll make our own version of it you know because that never works. The thing is the problem with that is that artists are going to be looking at this and if it doesn't sell, 
much more than just say something like the Transformers game does. Right. You know, what's the point? If your thing is going to sell anyway, regardless of how much effort you put into it, what's mm. the point? And we just ha- that's why I'm kind of hoping that you're right, that Arkham Asylum is going to not just do so well critically as it's clearly I've, I haven't even looked at reviews but I don't think I need to I'm I haven't seen this. I haven't seen Below a Nine anyway right. I haven't I, I looked at one review which was with Games TM and I didn't read anything past the score and they gave an 8 mm. um, but uh, you know nothing Below a Nine that doesn't surprise me mm. um, I just hope that it sells more on the back of that that it, it it gets some more coverage because it is a very good game, and I'm just worried that it's not going to sell any more than it would have done, regardless of being a very good game. Well, I don't think the last few Batman games really did that great, and that's a good thing for this one because it's literally, you know, like the Batman Begins game, I remember reading, like, it did not do well because it was a crap game. And I think that, you know, the Batman series has been around long enough where there have been plenty of bombs uh, video game wise right. and it's gone through so many ups and downs and you know I think that I think that the word of mouth on this one is going to exceed any of the license concerns that people might have I think that people are going to be talking about this game a lot in the same way that Bioshock was talked about and that's where the sales came from primarily I think that that's the, the same way with this one I don't think any of those trailers really would have had the same effect as just some people talking about how friggin awesome it is and how you have to go out and play it right now because that's what's going to happen with this game you see, I, I do hope you're right. I think what it's got that Assassin's Creed type buzz around it. Except in this case, I think <laughs> there's the product behind it. Uh, I have another thing in the I just wanted to bring up one thing. Uh, I saw it's actually a really great point that I didn't think of, but I think uh, Alexander Swiski from Joystick mentioned it on Twitter, and he, he said, now that this game has, you know, for people that aren't sure, the whole game takes place on Arkham Asylum, pretty much, or at least up until the point that I played, which is near the end. Right. He's, like, he said, where does, the, where does this series go from here? If Rocksteady was to make another one, like, what do you do now with this? Because they can't set it in open world Gotham, because no, I, no one wants that. We want another contained Bioshock-like environment where you're, you're setting something. And I honestly, I was thinking about it on the car ride home before. I couldn't think of a single like Batman Universe-style thing that would fit into this scenario more perfectly than Arkham Asylum did. That's the word, perfectly, because Arkham Asylum is just—it's revealed itself now as the most perfect choice for the setting. Right. I mean, it just—and I can't believe we didn't. You know, I thought about it and thought that's kind of cool. Set it, set it in the asylum with all the villains. Mm-hmm. Then. But once you play the game and there are all these villains in this one place and there's a tangible explanation for it, <laughs> it's not just they're all here to right. fuck you up. They're actually all here because they're evil and demented. And they're all let loose by this one evil demented guy. And it's it's a good explanation. And mm. the whole place being completely fucked up, there's a good, everything has reasoning. And I don't think there's another place in the Gotham world that would work as well and I certainly completely agree I don't want to see open world Gotham that would be a disaster this this game has worked because it is a closed structure mm. it is uh, not going to work in an open world environment well that's the thing like when they said that uh, the Batman the Dark Knight game was going to be basically Assassin's Creed in an open uh, open world Gotham City I was so excited about that I'm like this is going to be the greatest game ever I'm going to love this game 
And now that I've played this, I don't really want that game anymore. Because I, uh, yeah, this, I completely agree. this showed me the way to, like, this is the way you do Batman game. There is no other way to do a Batman game now except this. This is all <laughs> I want to see. And the, what I fear, and I I kind of have a feeling that this is the way it's going to be, is that we're not actually going to get the sequel to Batman Arkham Asylum. Because I don't think we are, no. I, I think this is going to be the end of the series. No matter how many copies this sells, I don't think there will be a second one. Because just like Ghostbusters, there will never be a second Ghostbusters game, even if that thing sells 10 million copies. Because it's just, it's it's a one, like... To get everyone back for this, to get the team to make another one, to get everything in place again so that this could be made, with the added you know knowledge of yes, this thing will sell a billion copies if we actually make it. I don't see it actually coming together, and if it does come together, it's not going to be Rocksteady doing it, which is what I fear the most. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm tempted to disagree with you. Actually, I think you've got to remember who this, the publisher is. This is Idos. Idos have not had a good IP mm. um, for some time. I mean, okay, you could say the Tomb Raider franchise and Championship Manager. But this is something new, exciting, and it's probably going to easily be their most profitable thing for a while. Uh, and remember, they've just been taken up by Square Enix. Mm. But Those are we'll two s- companies who are not likely to drop a good IP. But will Square... I mean, do they still even own it, or did this only exist through this one game, which no one knows if, if they actually have a contract over this you know, couple-year contract? And will Square pony up the obviously much higher cost that DC would be charging for them to get it back to make a sequel? I am tempted to say that Idos were cannier than you're giving them credit for. Mm. I think that they didn't. You just get this feeling with this game mm. that, uh, despite all the hype and the and the, sorry, despite all the controversy surrounding that review problem, I think that's just maybe either incorrect or just Idos operate this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've known for a while that this is a gem. Yeah. I think they've they this has been they could remember this is the only game they've released this year. Uh you know, this is their one project. They've obviously put a lot of budget into it. This has not been a cheap game to produce. Mm. I, I think they've they they're gonna they've got plans beyond it. I think I they've been so. quite canny with the franchise. I'd I'd like to think that Square and I and Idos wouldn't relinquish this so easily. I would hope so, yes. We've we've talked a lot about the good sides of the game because there are a lot of good sides of the game, but I was I was uh, sending a few DMs over Twitter with Dits from the gamer scene, and we both agreed uh, against what a lot of people have been saying that this is not the game of the year, which I've heard a lot of people say. Uh, so I wanted to see if you had any criticisms against the game from what you've played so far. No, none. No, I um. Well, all right. <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> no, okay, alright. To be, alright. Um, I mean, I, I played, I'm pro, I, I'm assu- I don't know how far I am, I'm assuming I'm like 80% of the game based on how many villains I, I believe are left in that I have not yet beaten. But um, for me, I, it, the thing is, I've been a lifelong Batman fan. Right. And to go into this kind of game with fairly high expectations and to have those blown completely away by what I've actually played... I, I haven't... There's not been a single thing in the game that's bothered me enough that it's detracted from the game experience for me. And that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people... There are people... There are two kind of people. There are people that, like, get bothered by everything, and there's the kind of people that look past things, basically, to enjoy what's there if they are really enjoying it. And what I are you saying ab- about me, Joe? <laughs> I'm saying that you suck. No. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that... Uh, 
like for me personally, like I, I will I will play a crappy game if there's a part of it that I enjoy. Right. And in this game, I nothing that I've seen has bothered me enough that it's actually detracted, and I can't even think of anything immediate that I would actually want to complain about because I've been enjoying what I've been playing so far. Well, that's a very happy life you lead. I'm going to put on my <laughs> uh, more journalistic hat on and say there on. are parts of the game which could have been better. Okay. And the number one part of the game that could have been better is the combat. Uh, the silence suggests that Jodie disagrees. The combat is very close to Assassin's Creed's combat. Would you agree? I think it's much better than Assassin's Creed's, but I, I see where you're going with it, the, the, the rhythm, well, ex- rhythm aspect of it. Well, I think beyond the rhythm aspect, Assassin's Creed was Simple. essentially one-button combat, which is essentially what Batman is. Okay, there yeah. are a few extra things you can do, but there were a few extra things you could do in Assassin's Creed. It is mostly about rhythm. This is mostly about rhythm. Uh, it all looks very good, but you are kind of still pressing, just pressing one button, one button, one button, left, right, right, left, down, whatever. That's good. There's a lot of variety to the combat in terms of stealth side of it, but in terms of the brawls... I think that could have been more. Like, I'm not saying that that's a really important part of the game, but you do have a... The brawls tend to be standard affairs where if you want to, you can just press square, 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 and live. Right. No, I... Yeah, you won't really die in any of the brawls. I'm not... It, the game The game overall is, is very easy. It is very easy overall, I, mean, I agree. I've, I've, when you die, basically the Joker comes on screen to taunt you, and I, I, I've, That's I've seen awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, but I've seen it maybe three times. Like the right. Joker himself, I've seen about three times, and I've seen the, the other villains a couple times. When you're fighting like a boss fight and you die, you see that villain come on to taunt you. I've seen that a few times, but right. I've only seen the Joker I think two or three times. Um, but I think that the the fighting is such a small part of the game that it doesn't really bother me. And I think the one thing that I've been trying... I mean, I know this is completely superficial and everything, but there is achievement points associated with the fighting and in doing certain moves and getting a certain amount of combos. And the thing that's actually kept me going with the fighting is I've been trying to do, like, these really high combos where, you know, you don't... The combo, the way you combo in this game is basically you don't miss. Yeah. You don't swing at an enemy and don't connect to them. And you don't swing at an enemy that blocks you. And there are a couple enemies later that have, like, blocking things that you have to go around. So the the in a way that it is a rhythm game, you kind of have to look around and um, mm. hit the right buttons at the right times to to take out the enemies to keep your combo going. If you want to actually go for those extra challenges, which you don't have to, you don't get anything for doing them. But it's a little thing on the top that it added it to me a bit. Um, and yeah, it is very simple. And yeah, it could have been deeper. But I think for the for the amount of time that you spend fighting in this game, which I I will say that throughout the entire game, you will spend less than an hour of it actually fist fighting. Yeah, Over but the that, that's still an hour of a, that's an eighth of the game. That's I, still a that's still a, a fair amount of fighting you do, and I don't I I think you're downplaying how much fighting there is. They think that a lot though. But doesn't mean it's not there, right? You know, just because they have spaces out doesn't mean it's not there. I think maybe one in every three or four rooms will involve a fight. Uh, of some kind. Mm. Um, and I think the maybe another criticism in that respect is that, you know, whilst you can get away with saying all the goons are goons, there could have been maybe more variety in enemies. Mm. Sure, yeah, I could see that. 
I mean, there's a lot of basically skinheads and um, like gang members, that type of thing. Oh, I, I'm not saying visually necessarily. I mean in terms of their abilities, right, in terms type, of what they can yeah. do. There's basically three or four types in the game. Right. Different types. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's not the part. It's not the focus of the game. The focus of the game is the world, really. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, is exploring it and and all the detective stuff. But yeah. It is. I think it's the part of the game that, that is lacking. It's the weaker link of the, of the game for me. Is the combat. And I, um, another thing, the other complaint I would have against it is I, for a game that does, and this is really nitpicking, but I'm going to say anyway, for a game that does such a good job of keeping things fresh, it has a tendency to reuse set pieces. Okay. Um. So, uh, without going to spoilers, there's one villain who. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, his his set piece is pretty much reused mm-hmm. in the second time round. And mm-hmm. okay, it's a really cool set piece, mm-hmm. but I just think the, the the creativity you've shown in in the first one, you could have done something more with the next one. And yeah, that, that happens a few times as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's more or less padding. Yes, in a way. Um, padding out, you know, so that, it, so that the game isn't, you know, six hours long or whatever like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, your, your points are valid. I'm not saying that you're wrong at all. And I, are, I think, you saying I'm, are you saying I'm nitpicking? No, I mean, I, I'm saying that that didn't bother me. That's what okay. I'm Like, I understand that, like, you know, more than half the people out there, it probably would bother. But for me, I kind of looked past all that. I didn't really mind the enemy uh, variety or anything like that. And I agree with you that the, the fighting is the weakest part of the game. But... That's also not saying that much because everything else in the game is just so ridiculously good that, you know, being the weaker part is still, you know, it's much better than the fighting in Assassin's Creed. I'll say that much also. I enjoy it more in this game than I did in Assassin's Creed where it kind of felt very repetitive and you had to do it a lot more in that game than you do here. I think the Um, combat meter is a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um... I, I do think, you know, there are a little couple little flaws with it. It's not a perfect game. Of course, nothing is. But, um, I think... I think in a way that uh, Batman, um, Batman's flaws weren't as glaring as Bioshock's flaws, if you want to compare those two games even further. I think in Bioshock, you'll notice them a lot more than you will here, like repetition especially and enemy variety and stuff like that. And I think that, um, I think that a person, if they just get into this game and they let themselves be enveloped by the mood and stuff, I think that none of that stuff will really bother them all that much. You see, I completely agree with you, but uh, what I would say is, and well, I know we've just had two shows on review scores but uh, and how bad they are, but if we will use them as the kind of basis for that difference between a really, really good game and a special game, that whole difference between 9 and 10. from mm-hmm. The reasons why, for me, Bioshock gets the, got all the 10s and Batman is going to get lots of 9s is because, like you say, Batman is a very much of an all-rounder. It doesn't really have any weak parts. Right. Apart from how impressive its presentation is overall, I don't think it has anything special to it. Whereas I think Bioshock just had that something with its storyline that just kind of made you sit back and go, you know what, I've not experienced this in a game before. Well, to be I, fair, don't, I, don't, yeah. I think Batman is very gamey in that aspect. To be fair, that's also the license. Like, there's only so far you could take the Batman license. Like, if they had actually created this this world, and they had no rules, like, do you think your opinion would be different? If they could have actually done something different later on, where, you know, blew the world open, kind of in a way that, you know, Bioshock kind of did some crazy things with their world. 
I'm not sure I totally agree that you can't do something crazy with a license. I think it's it's a standalone thing. We know there's no, it's, you know nothing that happens in this game happened in the comics or the right. cartoon. It's 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 its own concept. You can do. I think there's. Oh, are you? I want to go into spoilers. You get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that villain, the goddess of them. No, if we go down this path, it's going to be a conversation that only us will understand. So Fair enough, all yeah. I'll say, all I'll say is that there are moments which are in of themselves special. What I would have liked to see from this game is just that little bit of extra something. Okay. And I think Bioshock had it. I think Call of Duty 4 had it. It's mm-hmm. just these, there's something that separates it from... makes you sort of sit back and go, you know what, this isn't like a game I've played before. Mm. And I think Batman just excels in every part, but it still feels like a video game. And I don't mean that in a criticism. It's, just, it's hard to... I'm not probably verbalising it right. I don't think it's... It, I think it could have stretched its limits a bit more than it did. I see. I think, and I think it really had the potential to as well, which is why that kind of disappointed me a little. And that's really harsh. That's really the upper echelons of being harsh and critical against this game. <laughs> uh, because it really is that good. And I, I think maybe that's why I am a little bit sort of demanding of it, because I think it, it's so close to being, you know, something we'd be talking about for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, I think that, this game will buy, if they do decide to do a sequel, that this game, the way that it turned out and the way that people are receiving it, has probably bought Rocksteady a bit more leeway for the second one, if they actually Mm. do make one. And I think, you know, I mean, there is also the fact that they do have to deal with DC on this. Who knows if anything was in the game that they did have to take out because it went too far. It made Batman do something that wasn't something he would do, something like that. Um, You know, we don't know that, of course. But I think that this game probably did buy them any leeway to do whatever the hell they want in the the next one, as long as it's not M-rated, which, of course, would be the the final step that would never be taken. But, um, yeah, I think that... I I see what you're saying. I think that, you know, a lot of the things they do um, are relatively safe in a way, especially with as far as the license goes. And they could have pushed it a little bit more. um, But I'd really like to see, as, as this being a first step, I'd like to see where they could possibly go from here. And if they do make a sequel, what format it will take exactly. I'm just wondering how many of our listeners are, are shouting, you haven't got to the end, you don't know. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, if, if we are completely incorrect on that, sorry. Uh, if there is we... open-world Gotham City at the end, I will officially call this the greatest game ever made. <laughs> I'll just I'll throw it out there. If I can drive the Batmobile, I'm complete. Oh. My life is complete. That would be the greatest unlockable ever. <laughs> just, <laughs> Batmobile driving. Drive it yes. through the prison cells, I will, I will be happy. Perfect. Okay, I think I think we could go on, and we clearly shown that we could, yeah. but um, we should probably call it a day here. So, let, let me ask you one last question because it is the question that has been banded around, and I think you'll, you've got a different answer to me on it. So far, two thousand and nine, Arkham Asylum is it the best game you've played? Yeah, I, I I thought about this before, and I played a lot of great games in two thousand nine, and I would currently put this one on the top of the list. I wouldn't. Street Fighter 4? Yeah. I knew it. And you know what? That, that's very personal, so mm. uh, I don't know how much we can say about that. But uh, As a single-player experience, has there been a better single-player experience no. for you? This? Okay. It's the best single-player experience, by quite some distance. And that includes Infamous, which I thought was a very, very strong game. Agreed. So uh, there you go. Right, well, uh, I didn't expect us to be quite that positive about Batman, but... Uh, 
Arkham Asylum, but we both clearly love it. I hope that if you haven't played it, that you do go play it and you enjoy it as much as we have. And, There's no uh, excuse. You have no, right now, just go buy it. Seriously, just go buy it. There's no excuse to not play this game. Even if you hate Batman, you have to play this game. You heard the American. There you go. <laughs> right. So, before we go, do you want to say anything to close out any plugs or shout-outs? I know you were on someone else's podcast, you little filthy, betraying slut. You, um... Thanks, Judy. I was. I was on the, the Gamer Node versus Node podcast this past week with um, our longtime friend, Mr. Eddie Inzato. Hey, Eddie. Um, Braid sucks. Oh, man. He's going to kill you. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We talked about uh, HD gaming and a lot of retro stuff, and I got to talk about Virtual Boy, which was fun. Um, oh, so awesome. You, it, it, it oh, yeah, I remember, yes, you did. You did indeed talk about a Virtual Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it came up. So uh, any conversation that a Virtual Boy comes up, you know is going to be good. So head over to GamerNode.com and check out that. Absolutely. Uh, anything else? Um, that's it. I actually want to go and finish Batman Arkham Asylum um, <laughs> right now, so... <laughs> So that should be... The, oh, and go, go to uh, BigRedPotion.com. We should have some cool stuff going up this week. I, I believe there will be probably some Batman articles going up this week at some point. Uh, although we haven't talked about it. I'm just assuming that someone will post something about Batman that will be good to read. So check that out. I think we can translate that as, I'm going to post something about Batman on the Big Red Potion site. <laughs> oh, right. And I will be as well. So there oh, I know. I, I was talking as you. <laughs> ah, yes. It will happen. <laughs> uh, Batman. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what am I going to say? I was on the podcast as well, actually. Ooh, You're not the only great. one who slept around. Mm. Yeah, I was on the Weeds podcast with our friend of the show, James Bachelor, and also Jack uh, Smith, who we had on last week. And I don't know if it all gone up yet, because basically I kind of fucked up their recording. Oh, good. Yeah, my, my the competition. That's great. Yeah, that's, that, was, that was a plan. Then my mic stepped out of uh, its USB port halfway through. So, uh, my recording software didn't like that. Oh, good. So, All right. <laughs> uh, if that podcast goes up late, you can blame me. Well, you can hear Sinan on this podcast, which is great. Um, don't know about the Weeds one, though. That yeah, sucks. we'll see. Uh, sorry, James. Sorry, Jack. Lastly, oh, no, two things. As always, uh, we had a, a couple more iTunes reviews, so thank you very much to oh. people who sent them. Thank you very uh, much. Um, again on both the American side and the British side and as always uh, if you do have any spare time and you do feel like giving us a bit of feedback on the show then go over to iTunes and you know just make sure whatever if it's bad stuff that's fine say the bad stuff just put the five no you can put one star if you want to no uh, no no, ju- no five stars two. two to five two to five preferably five one? we're not a one star show are we no no that's not possible no yeah. no at least two. I, there's two of us, so you have to at least give us two stars. One star each. That's the best logic I've heard all year. It happens. And there's usually four of us, so you know what I'm saying? Just keep it going. That's amazing. Um, and lastly, 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 this is going to be the last co-op show you'll hear in its current format. Ooh. Don't ooh. You know exactly what it is. Don't, I don't know. Don't, Tell me don't, what, you ta- what are you talking about? Don't pretend ooh. Don't pretend... Mystique, no. I'm generally concerned with what you're about to say. Well, I'm not going to say it. We're, I'll keep it on the wraps. Bitches. All I'll say is look out mid-September for something new. I'm, I, I think, you know what, it's time to go. It's all part of the plan.